Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Hey there, welcome to the program. My name is Gary Zimak. I hope you come on in, make yourself comfortable, have a chair reserved for you. Big show today. This week, we are going to look at the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, sometimes or often referred to as Corpus Christi. And, you know, I can't think of a more important topic for this program than to look at the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. I think sometimes those of us who are who are cradle Catholics or sometimes referred to as born Catholics, somebody who came into the faith as an infant, I think sometimes, and you may or may not disagree with this, sometimes we take the Lord's real presence for granted. Not, not that we downplay it, but we, we almost accept it and aren't blown away by the idea that Jesus Christ makes himself present to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And and my prayer for this program today is that we're going to come out of it. We're going to hear the Mass readings for Corpus Christi today. I'm going to read them. We'll talk about them. My prayer is that we all come out of this with a greater appreciation for Jesus in the Eucharist, no, no matter where we are, no matter where we are in our understanding of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, no matter how blown away we are, my goal is that we'll be more blown away, right? So no matter where we are, I want us to, and I I think the Lord would want that too, I think it's safe to say that, to have a greater appreciation for this gift, this gift of his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. It's never something we're going to, it's something we're never going to be able to comprehend completely. It's a mystery, and, and I would say, I think it's safe to say that it's something that we could never appreciate fully because it's such an incredibly difficult concept to wrap our brains around. We can understand it by faith. Jesus Christ makes himself present to us in the Eucharist. But really comprehending it and really wrapping your brain around it is is quite a difficult situation. So we're going to look at it today, um, this concept of the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus, and I'm, I'm really glad that I get to talk about this. Now, well, here's what I'm going to do. Why don't we just pray? Sometimes I start talking too much. I always like to start the show with, with prayer, but uh, I, I do a little speaking before we actually begin the prayer. I don't want to go too far without praying because I pray that uh, 
the Holy Spirit will guide my words. So with that in mind, let's pause for a minute. Let's remember we are in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. He hears us. He sees us. He loves us. We're in the presence of Jesus Christ, not necessarily the real presence, that presence that we see in the Eucharist, which is a whole different level. I mean, he is fully present in the Eucharist, but but he's spiritually present with us right now. So he's spirit, he has that spiritual presence with us right now. He is able to hear us. He's able to see us like the Father. He loves us, and also the Holy Spirit's with us as well. So keep that in mind as we begin these this prayer. We're going to talk to God our Father. Please join me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father in heaven, thank you for being with us right now. Father, we know that you love us. We know that you could see us. We know that you can hear us. We know, Father, that you want us to come to a greater appreciation of Jesus in the Eucharist. We thank you for sending Jesus into our world, Father. We thank you for adopting us as your children, which was also made possible through Jesus. Father, we ask you to watch over us, to protect us, to increase our desire to grow closer to you, to do your will. We pray for an increased desire to understand and appreciate Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, Father. We ask you to send your Spirit upon me today so that I can deliver the message that you would like me to deliver. And I pray for an outpouring of the Spirit on all of us so that our hearts and our minds can be open to hear what you have to say and then motivate us to go out and put these messages, the message from today into practice in our lives. Father God, we ask this in the most holy and sacred name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for praying with me. Again, I'm Gary Zimak. I'm so glad to be with you once again this week as we look at the Mass readings for the Solemnity of the Body and Blood of Christ, Corpus Christi. And, you know, when we read this gospel today, you're going to hear Jesus say some pretty powerful statements. And he says what he says. And, you know, it's important to recognize what he's saying as being true. And you'll, it'll make more sense when I read these uh, the gospel. And then, of course, we'll read the first reading, the responsorial psalm, and the second reading as well. Before we go too much further, I want to, um, I just want to remind you, because this might be something, depending or on how aware you are of what goes on in at daily Mass. Maybe you go to daily Mass, you're aware of this, maybe you don't. But we are back in ordinary time right now. But if you just look at the Sundays, We've had two, you know, we have this, this week we celebrate the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ. So that's a solemnity. That's a special day. And the priest won't be wearing green vestments because of this. And the same with last week, which was Trinity Sunday. We celebrated the solemnity of the most holy Trinity. So, but we are back in ordinary time. Not that that's a bad thing. It just, just wanted to frame where we are in the liturgical year. And the next special season, or the different different season of the church here, will be Advent, and that will be um, later in the year. But so we'll be in ordinary time from now until then. But 
the church has us celebrating two very important solemnities, uh, actually three in a row because we had Pentecost before that. And right after Pentecost, we're technically in ordinary time. But we had Pentecost, we had a Trinity Sunday, and now this week we celebrate the body and blood of Christ. So just wanted to give you an idea where we are in the liturgical calendar. I also want to direct you to my website. If you're a first-time listener, wow, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me. Please uh, consider going over to my website, followingthetruth.com. I'd love to have you visit there. I'd also love to have you sign up for my daily email reflection which is called Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. How do you do that? You just submit your email address. That's all you need to do, and you will get, it's free of charge, and you'll get an email from me once each day. So if you'd like to do that, followingthetruth.com is the place to go. And while you're at it, you might want to pick up a copy of my latest book, When When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good. I talk about finding God in very difficult situations. I give 14 biblical examples of where he worked in what I would call pretty seriously bad situations. The hope is that you look at these, how God worked then, and you can apply it to your own life. If he did it then, he can do it in whatever your situation is. So followingthetruth.com is the place to go. You can also get in touch with me at the website or maybe bring me in to speak at your parish or your conference. So I'd love to have you as a visitor. All right, let's get to these readings. These are good ones. So we are... Not that there's bad scripture readings, right? Of course, they're they're all good. They're scripture. It's God's inspired word. We're going to start with the gospel as we always do. Let's let the gospel, it's the main course. We, I, I always like to lead with the gospel and then use the other supplemental readings, which are designed, which are chosen to support the gospel. Remember, Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ. That's what the focus is this week. The Gospel is John chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. This is what I would call short and to the point. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds. Now, a lot of times, just to point out, he is speaking to the Jewish leaders, his adversaries, the people that were always giving him a hard time, the Pharisees, the scribes, the people are always out to get him. This week, he's speaking to the Jewish crowds, the ordinary people, the people in the pew, if you want to call them that. And Jesus said this to the crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pause it right there. I want to talk about something. Sometimes people will look at this, and, and the people who look at this and say this are typically those who are not supportive of Jesus saying this is his literal flesh and blood in the Eucharist. People saying, well, he's speaking figuratively. And, and trust me, a lot of people believe that, that it's not really, he's not being literal here. And here's where a close inspection of the scriptures is very important. And just to, to clarify, in case there's any doubt, as Catholics, we believe That in the Eucharist, Jesus is really fully present. It is literally him, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So even when we look at that host, it might not look like Jesus, but we believe that that is really him. So he says this about whoever eats this bread will live forever. I am the living bread. And one can possibly look at that if you just extract that part of the gospel out and look look at it by itself. 
and say that, well, yeah, he could, he's speaking figuratively. He doesn't really mean that he's bread and that we need to eat him. But look at what it said we read next in John's Gospel. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Obviously, they're not looking at a figurative interpretation because there's nothing difficult. There's no need to quarrel about someone who's saying, well, I'm the bread, in quotes. You know, I'm the, I'm the living bread. And you have to eat, again, in quotations, my body and drink my blood. If it was a figurative meaning that Jesus had, there would be no mean, need to quarrel because anybody can understand, yes, figuratively, bread of life, absolutely. You know, but he's not speaking figuratively. He's speaking literally here. And that's why the people are scandalized by this. They're quarreling among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then Jesus said to them, addressing that point, amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Notice he doesn't compromise. Notice that he doesn't say, hey, guys, I was only speaking figuratively. I didn't really mean eat my body, drink my blood. He doubles down. And he said, listen, I'm going to say it again. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you do not have life within you. And then he goes on. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. Now, you know, you look at this and it's it's pretty clear he just keeps saying the same thing over. Keep in mind, this is before the Last Supper. So it was not obvious how it would come to be, how it's possible to eat his body, to drink his blood. It certainly sounds like cannibalism. And of course, there's going to be scandal when he says that. People are going to say, whoa, how is this possible? But it would become clear at the Last Supper when he instituted the sacrament of the Eucharist. All I'm going to say is take a look at this. Read it, reread it, and read it again. And try to understand what he's saying. Or, you know, you know not, again, not, like I said at the beginning, not necessarily comprehend it, but understand and view the necessity, view it when you look at it, extract the necessity of eating his body and drinking his blood. He's saying it's necessary for eternal life. And that's why we as Catholics do this. We eat his body. We drink his blood because we're taking his words literally as supported by the church who also reads this, has read this and said, absolutely, he's speaking literally, and we do what Jesus said. So that, I mean, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty clear. And, you know, on a side note, I'm going to do the, the supplementary readings now, the, uh, the other readings from Mass. On a side note, if you want to get to know Jesus, 
And if you want to then become like Jesus, there is no better way to do it than to receive the Eucharist as frequently as you can. And you're not going to necessarily notice a difference. You're not going to just receive him and all of a sudden you feel like Superman and everything is going to go great and you're going to be going out and preaching and be strong. It's more of a gradual, typically, it's more of a gradual process. But over time, the more you're able to receive his body in the Eucharist, and keep in mind, when you receive the host, you get all of Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity, because the risen Jesus can't be separated. So don't think that you need to drink from the cup of precious blood in order to receive the blood of Jesus. You get the blood in the host as well. The church does the 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 uh, the, the, the cup and the host in order to more fully present the, the, the real presence of Christ. It's a more, it's a greater sign of his blood when you consume from the, 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 the chalice. But you don't need to. You know, if you have an aversion for whatever reason for, for, do, for doing that, or, you know, maybe an issue with, with alcoholism because the, the, the wine that does become the precious blood still contains alcohol. The, the church teaches the accidents do remain, and the accidents meaning the, the property, the physical properties of the what starts out as the bread and wine, they still remain. If you did chemical tests on them, you would still come up with the same ingredients, but the church teaches this concept of transubstantiation, that the substance of the bread and the wine is changed into the body and blood of Christ. I don't want to get too much into that because it can be a really mind-blowing um, uh, concept. And it's for the purposes of this show, I just want to focus on the message of Corpus Christi. But know that when you receive the host, you do receive the, the Lord's blood as well in that host. All right, let's look at the first readings from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 2. Moses said to the people, Remember how for forty days now the Lord your God has directed all your journeying in the desert, so as to test you by affliction and find out whether or not it was your intention to keep his commandments. He therefore let you be afflicted with hunger and then fed you. Hear this symbolism here? The people were hungry in the desert. The Lord let them be afflicted by hunger and then he fed you with manna a food unknown to you and your fathers, in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. Do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery, who guided you through the vast and terrible desert with its seraph, serpent, seraph serpents and scorpions, its parched and waterless ground, who brought forth water for you from the flinty rock and fed you, again that reference, fed you in the desert with manna, a food unknown to your fathers. What we see here is a prefigurement of the Lord God feeding his people in the desert where they're up against all kinds of obstacles and dangers. They're in a place where they absolutely need to be nourished from above. And he does that for them with the manna. That's what's known as a type or a foreshadowing of what eventually Jesus will do in the Eucharist. So we see that symbolism. That's why this reason, this reading was chosen. All right, the responsorial psalm, Psalm 147, 
praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Glorify the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He has granted peace in your borders with the best of wheat. Hear that? The best of wheat he fills you. And that's the reason the church chose this particular psalm for the responsorial psalm today, because of the wheat that is contained in the host, which is transformed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. He sends forth his command to the earth, swiftly runs his word. He has proclaimed his word to Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. He has not done this. He has not done thus for any other nation. His ordinances he has not made known to them. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. You see, so that wheat reference is tying that responsorial psalm into the first reading and into the gospel. The second reading, now you probably heard me say that the second reading typically during ordinary time just proceeds sequentially. And it isn't necessarily chosen to match the first reading and the responsorial psalm and the gospel. It just proceeds in order. Now, on solemnities such as today, that's not the case. The second reading is chosen specifically to match all the other readings. And you're going to get the reference. Again, these readings are not long today. This is a short one, but it it really supports that gospel and ties in with all the readings. It's St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. Just two verses. Brothers and sisters, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So you notice he's referring to the bread and the cup and tying them to the body and blood of Christ. And Paul concludes by saying, Because the loaf of bread is one, we though many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. And one of the reasons that the Eucharist is called communion or holy communion is because one of its effects is to tie us more closely to one another in Christ. So if you and I all baptized Christians, we are members of the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ. And when we partake of Holy Communion, of the Eucharist, we're drawn more closely to one another as members of the body of Christ and to Jesus. Sometimes we can we can think that when we're, we're receiving Holy Communion, He is coming to us. And, and while that's true in a sense, it's more like we are being uh, what's the word I, I could, I, we are, we are being assimilated or, or <laughs> totally poor choice of words, kind of like sucked up into him. Yeah, it's really, I know sometimes it's hard to come up with the right word for this, but we become close. We are like lifted up in him together. You, me, and anybody else receiving the Eucharist becomes closer to Jesus. Not necessarily that he is becoming more close to us individually, which it, which he is, but you don't want to lose sight of that community aspect of it. As, as part of the mystical body of Christ, the church, receiving communion draws us one uh, closer to one another. We are in communion with one another. 
And that's why, as Catholic Christians, we believe that in order to receive communion, one needs to be Catholic and in the state of grace because we want to make sure we are in agreement on all the truths of the faith. Non-Catholic Christians who are not Catholic, they are part of the body of Christ, but they're called our separated brothers and sisters. That's what we refer, we refer to them as. We're still part of the body of Christ, but there is a separation there because they do not have that commonality of belief. But yeah, we're, we're the body of Christ. When we receive Jesus, we do grow closer to him individually as a group. Does that make sense? You know, some of this stuff's not easy to explain, but I, I hope you get that concept. We do grow closer to our Lord. We do draw close to heaven when we receive Holy Communion. It draws us close to the saints in heaven, the souls in purgatory, you know, and one another, those of us who are part of the body of Christ on earth. So it's a, it's a sacrament which unites. But just, you know, spend a little time for the remainder of, of this week just really trying to appreciate, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you as well, trying to appreciate this great gift of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It is not a symbol. It is really him. And, you know, the world's going to look at that and say, that's crazy. Because the world, and we're all guilty of this, from the time we are young, we are trained to perceive the world around us by using our senses. We see, we touch, we smell, we taste. We look at a round white host. And we are not, our senses are not going to tell us that's Jesus. Our senses are going to tell us that's a host, that's a piece of bread, that's a cracker, whatever you want to call it. That's what our senses tell us. But by faith, we look at that white host and we see what looks like bread. But our faith tells us that that's Jesus. And that's why we're given the gift of faith. Faith enables us to believe some pretty unbelievable things. It gives us the capacity to believe some pretty unbelievable things. And when you think about it, if that is Jesus, and it is, we believe that by faith, what an unbelievably intimate way to receive him, to take him into our own body and to let him, as the host dissolves, get worked into our body and our bloodstream. We become part of Jesus in a way that wouldn't be possible unless we actually were able to consume his body and blood. So it's an an incredible feast or solemnity that we celebrate today, Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ. And, you know, let's just try to be grateful to him for his willingness to come to us in such a real and concrete way. And let's continue to pray that we'll better appreciate this great gift. Amen? All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with me today. These were, man, these readings really got me fired up today. I love doing the show. If you ever want to drop me a line, let me know what you think of the program. Gary at followingthetruth.com is my email address. You can also contact me directly right by going to the website followingthetruth.com. I would also appreciate, especially during the summer, it's very difficult. There's just about no speaking work available in the summer. And since this is my full-time ministry, 
your donations would really help to sustain me. So if you're able to help me to go forward with my ministry, if you enjoy this show, if you enjoy my daily reflections and you want to help fund my ministry, I really could use it, especially during the summer. All you need to do is go to followingthetruth.com and click on Donate, and you'll be directed to PayPal where you can securely donate to my ministry, followingthetruth.com. I thank you in advance for that, for your prayers, and know that you are in my prayers as well. All right, so thanks again for hanging out with me. I look forward to joining you next week on the program, but for the remainder of this week, let's just try to appreciate Jesus making himself present to us in the Eucharist. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.